Hello, everyone. Uh, this is our first podcast on uh, managing your time and motivation to get results. My name is Sonia Tomaszkovic, and I work at uh, the research and development at University of Cambridge. Uh, today, we have Natasha Wilson here with me. Uh, she's a director and founder of Cambridge Insights. And Natasha specializes in 21st century leadership skills and mindsets to support researchers uh, to maximize their impact. She designs and delivers workshops, programs, uh, focusing on leadership and innovation. Uh, so very warm, warm welcome to Natasha and really great to have you here with us today. Thank you, Sonia. I'm very delighted to be here and share some insights on the best way to manage our time and motivation within a highly intensive research environment. Yes, absolutely. And uh, time is really precious uh, for everyone, but also for researchers as well. Um, and uh, kind of it always feels that we never have enough time to do anything. That is so true. And uh, in the current climate, I think most of us have to adapt to a new way of working, studying, living. So I think these new conditions have an impact on our motivation and how we spend our time. Uh, so with change comes often a sense of anger and I think sometimes annoyance. I don't know if you've uh, expressed this or, or seen that in yourself, but it's also a perfect time to reflect and pick some new and more productive habits. Um, and I really think time management skills are quite strategic. They will affect, you know, our performance, outputs, but also the impact we have in research and beyond and our health. So it's really worth spending some time on this. Yes, absolutely. And and today is actually focus of this. Uh, our first podcast is exactly that. So what do we do with our time and what can we learn from our existing behaviors and patterns um, and how they impact our productivity at, at, as a whole? Yes. And I was thinking about this when I was preparing for this podcast and, and doing some additional research. And I think um, we tend to want to find solutions before we understand what the real issues are. So in this podcast, we really wanted to look at the diagnostic phase um, before we rush into these solutions and really understand the nature or size of the problem we have around time management. Uh, some of us may feel that our productivity has soared during, um, you know, this kind of like changing times, but others feel maybe the opposite. And we find it really hard to get going or get things done, especially if we have less social connections and we're not necessarily in our work environment that we used to. So in any case, I think our time management and motivation changes over time. Um, and as external and personal factors interfere with our routines. Um, so what I'd like to maybe focus on at this moment in time uh, is to see how we can uh, really find out more about what we do, you know, how we spend our time. Absolutely. And I think that would be exactly that would be my first question. Um, what do you think is kind of uh, the best way to monitor our time and activities? And is there anything that you do that you would recommend that perhaps would be useful for researchers? Yes. And it's a technique that I've uh, used and seen used in many different sectors that I want to share with you. So if you think about the life of a researcher, it involves a range of tasks and skills that include uh, writing, reading, teaching, admin duties, applying for funding and grants, planning your research, doing the research and much, much more. So our challenge is to really allocate the right amount of time to each activity whilst we often feel time poor. I mean, I've not really yet met, you know, a PhD student or a postdoc telling me they have lots of time. <laughs> 
So I want you to introduce you to this concept of using a timesheet for a week or two. So it's a very simple method which requires you to record how you spend your time to identify patterns. So for instance, you can decide on a unit of 15 minutes or maybe 30 minutes um, and write down the activities or the tasks that you are doing throughout the day. And you can do that for a typical week or two weeks, depending on, on the type of schedule you have. But you also need to include breaks and interruptions. So you'll be able to spot patterns which can help you understand what you focus on and the time you really have available. Um, and I find it really powerful. I use this method at least once a term or whenever I feel that I'm not that productive or I'm tackling maybe something a little bit different and my schedule has changed. Yeah, and I, I would just uh, uh, add that actually I did try this in past and I was really actually shocked, but with, with my kind of schedule, daily schedule. So I've done it, I think, around uh, over a week, if I remember correctly, it might be two weeks. I can't remember now. But, you know, I always thought, oh, I'm quite efficient in my working day and so on. However, I was starting to note things every half an hour. I think I split my day and then. At the end of the day, when I checked all the interruption, uh, coffee breaks, and another PhD student comes with a question, even if it's about the work, it's still an interruption. Uh, then the lunch break, then just a little chat with a friend who was, you know, down the down the corridor in in the office and so on. Um, and actually, I saw at the end of it like how much time I was spending on not work, and that's <laughs> what I meant. It was quite shocking. Uh, and I always thought, oh, I'm very efficient. So um, I think it's really good to do something like that, just to kind of monitor your behavior. It doesn't mean you need to change everything, but at least if you change one little thing and you think, okay, half an hour a day that I was spending on a coffee break, I'm going to cut that out. This half an hour already is extra time you can spend on, on something that produces results. Um, so leading to that, uh, I was wondering if kind of our daily routines may impact our productivity and, you know, either positively or negatively. So how, how what do you think about that, Natasha? Yes, so uh, I think it's really important to understand, you know, how routines and habits have such impact on what we do and how we spend our time. So, for instance, certain tasks require more energy than others. Uh, we talk about cognitive capacity uh, in that example. So we need to recognize when we are at our best and when we are more likely to work well on demanding and complex tasks and when we can focus on easier activities. So in a way, our routines and habits should really integrate this. So we need to stop and reflect. And we need to see and feel where we are most productive and if our current habits and routines are supporting this. We need to be our, our friend in a way, our own friend, to make sure that we are working in a more positive manner. So, for instance, um, you know, are you doing, I don't know, are you performing well more like in the morning or for some people it's more like at, late at night? And I don't know if you've heard the expression, Sonia, but we talk about early risers and night owls. Mm. And this is often happening. These kind of like trends tend to happen or patterns when we are maybe uh, studying, you know, with undergraduate studies. Um, and I know that although we can't always choose when we can do some of our work, it's really important to work with our preferences and not against them. Um, so just out of interest, Sonia, what is your preference? When do you feel like you work at your best? Um, well, that's actually quite interesting question because when I was a PhD student myself um, 
uh, I was the night owl, definitely. It was always this kind of time of the day when it's quiet, no one is around, no emails coming in, no interruptions and so on. And I was always produ- produced a good work, and especially when I had to do difficult tasks, which for me was writing. Then I would do the, you know, at, at evenings and sort of, you know, until two, three in the morning. I'm not saying that's the way people should do it. And actually, I don't think it's very healthy, but that's kind of worked really well for me because my PG was a bit flexible unless I had experiments. I could have, you know, come to work then at 11, 12, you know, midday or so. So I could have, you know, I shifted my my uh, my life a little bit. Now, however, it's completely different. And actually, I'm quite effective, I think, in the morning, sort of nine o'clock to sort of before lunch to 12. Right? Let's say it's my most probably productive time. And I suppose the change came also being a parent. You know, when you have a baby waking up at, you know, three o'clock and six o'clock, you can't really work until three and then just continue, you know, changing the nappies at three and then at six o'clock uh, you wake up because the baby is awake and so on so kind of um, parenthood changed the, the habits but I think the interesting thing is that the routines and habits we have we can change and and they're not kind of written in stone mm-hmm. as our life changes as our commitment change our, our, our habits can as well so I think it's Natasha, you're absolutely right. I think working with ourselves, we're working with what works for us the best is a great thing to do so, now. And as you know, life changes, that can change as well. And you adapt, exactly. We are adaptable creatures. Um, and the good thing about this, and I love what you're saying, that you adapted in view of different circumstances in your life and the work you were doing. And the good thing is when you identify those patterns, you know, you can just like think, okay, what do I need to change? And and how do I need to make it work, you know, for, for me? So I feel like, you know, I have a sense of achievement and I feel a sense that it's not like too taxing or, or requiring yeah. too much energy to work against our preferences. Yes, exactly. So for me, I'm like you and for me, I'm a really early riser. I wake up at 5.30 or 6 in the morning and that's where I'm probably at my best is in the morning. But don't ask me to do anything uh, later on. <laughs> I just want to correct you that I'm not an early riser at 5.30 in the morning. I really <laughs> like to sleep in the morning, hate waking up early. But, you know, by, by nine o'clock, I'm usually OK to function. <laughs> so I'm somewhere in between. <laughs> I had a colleague, you could not ask anything from this person before 11 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) She just had to know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I have another question for you. So when we talk about the sort of time management in general, we don't really discuss the time available for our research projects and sort of wider tasks. Uh, how do we know our sort of capacity, work capacity, and how does that matter for productivity, uh, our own productivity? Uh, yeah, a really good question, Sonia. So I think it's something we really need to address um, as we tend to throw more hours at a project when we feel we're not getting things done. It's like always about quantity. Uh, and we often assume that the amount of time we spend, uh, the extra amount of time, will solve the issue. And sometimes it does. It may be it may be the case. But often enough, I think the productivity issue is a lot more complex and we need to look at another time-related element, which I, I really want to emphasize on that, is the quality of our focus. So sometimes it's not about amounts, it's actually what we do when we are working on those tasks. So could we be more productive with our time if we could increase our focus and concentration? So I often ask this simple question uh, to leaders uh, and researchers, how many hours do you think you spend on your research project or your core you know, work every day or every week? And what I've found is that we tend to overestimate the time we have to work on our core mm-hmm. activities mm-hmm. and underestimate how long we need to make things happen or complete a task, especially if it's a new type of activity. So it's a huge challenge because unless we're aware of this, uh, we could be spending lots of time and energy fixing 
our, what we think our time management issues are, but getting very little improvement. Yes, and I think I really like what you're saying because this kind of touches on this sort of activity versus productivity. Activity only means doing many things. On the other hand, productivity is doing the right things. Um, so doing a lot of things does not necessarily mean that you are very productive and moving towards your goal. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of knowing the difference. And again, I remember uh, when I was a PhD student, another PhD student just kind of down the corridor, and he was uh, uh, there all the time. Uh, literally weekends, evenings, mornings, afternoons. He was always there. He even had this little pillow that he would use kind of to sleep on his desk. And the fact that he was there and being very active doesn't mean that he was productive. Actually, on contrary, I don't think he was productive at all because his PhD wasn't on time. It took much longer than, you know, the rest of us. And I think it is, it was down to that, you know, being there, being kind of active all the time, but actually just possibly getting exhausted and not productive, not very productive or not producing any result that were useful for his PhD. So it's kind of really being careful about that balance, balance. between, yeah, uh, between the two. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think sometimes if we spend too much time and then we are uh, not really aware of the quality of our focus, I think it kind of like has a negative impact then on our productivity. Absolutely. So yeah. I've seen people, and I had research about this, where our productivity level goes down if we spend too many hours on one type of activity yeah. without breaks, you know, and without thinking about what the quality of the focus is. Exactly. And that's exactly that's exactly it. Um, I have another question, which is also really important, sort of in the life of researchers. Do you think uh, the way we set our goals uh, for a research project, for example, can also have an impact on how productive we feel uh, at the end of the day or a week or even a month? Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, and I think at that diagnostic phase we're talking about, uh, I recommend checking how you are, you know, setting your goals uh, or, you know, any milestone or, or big, big, yeah, big, big milestones or goals for your project. And we talk about um, SMART goals. So some of you may have heard this. Um, it's a really useful acronym that helps us ensuring that we are may be more likely to achieve those goals than if they are no not well defined. So the idea to make them smarter is maybe to think about something that's more precise, more really thought about it. So SMART stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timed. Um, and I know that it can be quite difficult to judge but if you constantly fail to complete your to-do list, for instance, or feel you've not achieved enough, you might want to review your goals and how you're setting them and how you're defining them. So the time in spending, uh, the time we spend defining goals is as important as actually making them happen, I think. And at that early stage, it makes a big, big difference. So the other angle is to review how you define success. So what a good day looks like, for instance. And I ask this because I've spoken with researchers who admitted to adding more tasks on their to-do list when they were getting close to have it completed. So maybe their goals were smart, but they felt that they wanted that idea of being busy of not having done enough. I don't know. I'm not sure what happens in our mindset, and we'll discuss that in, a, in another podcast. But it's an interesting pattern, which I've also experienced myself. So it creates an expectation that we will never be productive enough and there's always so much more to do. And it could be linked to our environment and culture. Um, it may be true uh, that this is the case, and we feel like we have to be busy, and we 
need to show that we're dedicated to our research by spending long hours. So I think there's a link between the two, the smart goals, which might need to be smarter to make sure we achieve them. But at the same time as well, our own perception about how busy we should be and how many goals we should have. Um, so um, there are ways to make our time more productive and feel a sense of achievement. And we'll explore this, of course, in our uh, second podcast as well. That's great. Thank you, Natasha. Um, before we finish, I just have uh, a couple more questions. Uh, what are the other factors that may impact our productivity? So there's a lot of research on healthy and unhealthy habits which can impact our concentration. So I'll focus on the ones we can influence. And this is around how many hours we sleep, how often we have breaks during the day, our food diet, and how often we exercise. Mm -hmm. um, so there's also research on our need for social connection, how this impacts our moods, energy, and in turn, our motivation, creativity, and productivity. Super, uh, that's really great. Um, so is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap up this session? So, yes, I think um, what I would suggest is we've touched some of the common challenges around time management, but in this diagnosis, diagnostic phase, which is really when we are investigating how we spend our time, what we're doing, and patterns of behaviors, um, it is really important to defer judgment during this phase. So you're not here with a stick, you're here to investigate. And that is so important. It's like this friend I was mentioning, you are your best friend and you're looking at what is going on in your time management. So we need to observe current patterns, habits, um, and then not jumping into a solution phase straight away. It's like being curious as if you were helping someone else and assessing their key challenges. Um, and the aim is really to understand the real issues and to ensure we find the most appropriate solutions. So I know it's a little bit uh, counterintuitive because often we haven't got time to spend time on our time management. <laughs> but actually that diagnostic phase is, is so critical, like in any problem solving you know, challenge. Absolutely, it's the first step towards Perfect. a solution. So yeah. diagnosis is the first thing that you have to do in order to solve the problem if there is a problem. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing your insights and your experiences with us. Thank you so much, Sonia. It was a pleasure.